0: Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 109. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this morning I'm sitting with my beautiful friend, Christina here in Nashville Tennessee and Christina and Jason have four amazing children and one child we haven't met yet that's about to burst forth into the world Calvin is 12 Olivia's 10 Madeline's 8 and Gloria is very much 2 <laughs> and I am just loving being with this sweet family I've known Christina since she was 2 very similar to her little girl with the same very <laughs> adorable personality kind of a Shirley Temple thing that goes on and it has just been so fun to be with her, and as we have been spending time together, um, I just felt like Christina's story would be so helpful for so many other people. She's kind of the universal mom that's gone through um, this homeschool journey, and I wanted her to share her story. so welcome Christina. Thank you, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So tell us first about first of all about your childhood educational experience.
1: okay. Well, I was homeschooled from birth, Um, never went to traditional public school, Mm -hmm. and uh, graduated from homeschool as well. Yeah. And how did that serve you? Um, I think the best way that it served me is it made me a reader. Mm -hmm. Um, We were read to, we had our shelves filled with beautiful, wonderful books, Mm -hmm. um, many of which were your recommendation to our family. And I, to this day, love to read. And yeah, I think that's... that's shaped probably, you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then as you started to homeschool your own children, what have you done differently from the way maybe you were homeschooled?
1: Well, um... Yeah. Well, in terms of, was it more of a school-at-home approach maybe that you were right exposed so, to? Right. So we were part of the, quote, pioneer generation. Yeah. And I think um, you're familiar with um, moms that would try this curriculum and that curriculum Mm -hmm. and just trying to figure out how do we do this, this thing that's never been done before. That's right. And so, yes, my mom would... um, Try different things almost every year, <laughs> mm-hmm. as and, most of us did. Right, I
0: mean, you're right because we no one had ever, like you said,
1: done it. We couldn't mm-hmm. take a homeschooler to lunch, mm-hmm. so we were inventing the wheel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think the difference for me. Um, so I started out not even sure I wanted to homeschool, mm-hmm. and part of that was because seeing you know as an adult you look back on your childhood and um, reflect on what maybe you would have changed, what you would have done differently. And I um, mistakenly thought, oh, well, I could fix um, the things I would have changed by not homeschooling my kids. That that was what needs to change. Uh, when in fact, maybe just to go about it in a different manner. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I've come to realize in my own journey is uh, the beauty of um, being imperfectly perfect so Mm. I'm by nature perfectionist and um, I really want to get it right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so once we did decide to homeschool I wanted to get it right Uh, and so instead of you know following the footsteps of my mom Mm -hmm. instead of following in the footsteps of Carol Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. is like my second mom I would try this I would try that trying to find what was right Mm -hmm. how to get it right Mm -hmm. yeah and how did that go not so great. <laughs> I was afraid of that. <laughs> Should have just listened to you. <laughs> Not necessarily. Uh, but some children have to sow their wild oats. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, I I mean, I didn't do anything extreme. But um, definitely um, tried things that didn't work. And I think um, the whole point is coming back to what Carol has told me time and again, time and again is – that you homeschool unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. You homeschool to an audience of one. So getting involved um, with different groups, mm-hmm. getting involved in different curriculums, buying this for geography and this for math or whatever, mm-hmm. curriculums and just piling them up and you know, thinking, this is going to fix our homeschool or this is going to be the right answer. This is going to help me get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, really was just piling on burdens that yes. the Lord wasn't... Putting on me. Yes.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So most recently I've walked a little bit with you through the process of being in a group that wasn't a good fit. Talk about that.
1: Right. So I was a part of a group that started out um as a nature group. Mm -hmm. And which um, is
0: wonderful. Yes.
1: We would hike every week together Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it was just very sweet. And Mm -hmm. it was a great place to build relationships and encourage one another. Mm -hmm. And then um the majority of the members started using um, the Ambleside curriculum, mm-hmm. which is based on Charlotte Mason's mm-hmm. philosophy. And so I, I went right along with it, and I tried it, and it, it was just um, void. It had no life for our family. And um, while there were many, many great books on the Ambleside list, just the whole structure of it is really checking the boxes and uh, marching to the beat of another drummer Mm -hmm. and it's not in my experience um, that personalized custom suit you know that carol talks about and hearing the voice of the lord leading you there's not that freedom because Mm -hmm. you've signed up now for this curriculum Mm -hmm. regime yeah (laughs) so we uh made the decision a year ago to step away from that Mm -hmm. And I was really surprised at how much freedom I had um, letting go of that curriculum and even stepping away from a group of women that I respect mm-hmm. and I love. They're my dearest friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet even to have a, a more quiet space, mm-hmm. to not have so many voices, again, voices I love, mm-hmm. but God is calling each family mm-hmm. to their own, you know. Path. Their own path, mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. so even even hearing too much about what God's calling to other families that's to right. can interfere with um, what His voice is saying to you. It can, it can make it hard to hear. Mm. So that's been just really life-giving. And I felt so free, um, free unlike I've ever felt, to pursue um, God's call on our family. Mm. And it's just been really peaceful and simple and enjoyable. Wow. What was the hardest part of
0: leaving, um, that, you know, group of families and, and the approach that they were using?
1: Well, I think one was the loss of friendship in a way Mm -hmm. we're all still friends, Mm -hmm. but we don't see each other as often. Mm -hmm. And because we're not using the same curriculum, there's not that shared, you know, um, way of life anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, Right, it's not mm-hmm. the same kind of connection. So that's been sad and, mm-hmm. and a little bit hard, but God has provided and um, we definitely have families that are friends and um, God provides the community and, and it, I've always believed this and it's true, you don't have to have a whole huge group of close friends, mm-hmm. you just need a few close friends mm-hmm. for yourself and your kids mm-hmm. and you're golden. Mm-hmm. That's really <laughs> true yeah that
0: is really true yes (coughs) so i you know christina as i consult with families i hear a lot of families that have compromised in some of their um philosophy and approach in order to have friends or community and can you address that a little bit
1: well um can you give me an example?
0: Well, there are. Uh, the, i I work with families who have been in things that the children um, would cry before they go mm-hmm. or on the way mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say, "And why did you stay in that group?" <laughs> well, well, because we needed community, and mm-hmm. um, we loved the people, and mm-hmm. um, our children needed friends. Mm-hmm. And what would you say to someone like that? Right.
1: Um, well, I never had the experience where my kids were crying. They our our gatherings um, were always joyful and and happy um, because they were mostly just social. Mm-hmm. It was more the pressure on me um, as a outside mom outside
0: the time of the group,
1: right? Well, and even just with the mothers in that social mm-hmm. time, not feeling a connection mm-hmm. because I had decided to depart from mm-hmm. that curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't had my kids uh, be crying or anything like that.
0: Um were they crying when you were reading Plutarch in first grade?
1: <laughs> okay, now you're now you're onto something. <laughs> yes. So um part of the specifically part of the issue I had with Ambleside was some great resources, great books at the wrong time. And so mm-hmm. the wrong the right book mm-hmm. at the wrong time mm-hmm. is the wrong book. Mm. So when you're reading Peter Pan in first grade mm-hmm. It's the wrong time, mm-hmm. in my experience. Yeah, yeah. and An um,
0: unabridged Peter Pan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, I can barely read but, an unabridged Peter Pan.
1: <laughs> so, and yeah, and then Plutarch, and I don't know what it was, fourth grade or fifth grade, and just really pushing, pushing for these advanced um, things when the children aren't ready. And, yeah. of course, we read rich, classical, <laughs> meaty things. Yes. Um but you it, as a family, as a family, mm-hmm. yes, I'm right. not opposed to that, right. opposed to quote hard books. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, there just wasn't um, a guarding of the innocence of children, so we would encounter I, I wasn't able to trust the book list. Mm-hmm. Um, because we would read, for instance, we started reading um, this book, Children of the New Forest, and I think that was also maybe fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great book. I think it's a horrible book for a fourth grader. Mm. Um, There's a murder in the book and it's, um, it's pretty, pretty bad. And, Mm. um, And I remember we had gone through this really fun beginning and (laughs) it was so, you know, the kids were on their own and they're having to farm and it's like, Oh yes, this is the kind of book we love. (laughs) And then bam, it's, there's just this horrific murder and Mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden the whole tone has changed. And Mm -hmm. I kept reading with such hesitation. I'm sorry that we finished it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just happened more than once. Mm -hmm. There were, um, there's a book called um, trial and triumph, I think. And it's a book of you know Christ, christian biography which you love mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but again uh really um graphic mm-hmm. more um, information
0: than we need yes
1: descriptions right it wasn't mm-hmm. age appropriate mm-hmm. right so um there was that side of it and then there was also the um this idea of narrations yes so i did get tears with that so um in the talk about that okay so um what is what do you
0: mean by narration right Where did it so, come from?
1: narration um they say is um, something, well, Charlotte Mason talks about narration. So, and the interpretation of narration by Ambleside and I think some other Charlotte Mason groups is that the child tells it back to you. And, and by telling it back means that they've got it. It's their own. And uh, most people would agree, you know, if you can teach somebody mm-hmm. something, you've got it. Mm-hmm. You've owned it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, <laughs> yes. when um, when you're dealing with maybe um, a a math, uh, you know, a, something in math where you have your child, okay, now you show me, how, why do we do this? Or, you know, you show me, wh- why do you... Uh, Carry that or... Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. So that's one thing, because that would be technically narration. Mm-hmm. But when you read, I don't know, I mean, something as wonderful as Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. and then, okay, you read a chapter and then you have your child, now tell back to me what we just read. Mm-hmm. And so then they have to sit there and tell you back the story. So that's called oral narration. And you do that in the early years. But then about, was it fourth or fifth grade, they're supposed to start doing written narrations. My kids didn't mind the oral narration. It was more like a conversation. We were sharing it. But then you hit written narration. And there, no one ever wanted to read the books they were supposed to write a narration for because it was laborious. It was torture. <laughs> it mm-hmm. really took the joy out of it for mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. and it was the kiss yeah. of death. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. But
0: what would be a more natural way to see what a, what a child's internalizing as they read a book?
1: Right. So what happens naturally now is either to just have a conversation about it mm-hmm. and you know share with me you know mm-hmm. and like you've said you know you know Johnny meet Jane Jane meet Johnny and then you you know you let them go off together <laughs> As the in the sunset Jane exactly yeah. <laughs> And um, uh-huh. and then you, you know, just like a child would talk about a new friend they've made to you, exactly. they're going to talk to you about, you know, my, right. my kids are voracious readers and I it never <laughs> fails. Every single day I'm cooking in the kitchen, I'm changing the baby's diaper and here comes someone telling me about oh mom in my book i just read and la 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 la, and they go on and on and i'm not asking for a narration you know
0: but it comes naturally yes
1: and they're choosing what to share so they're not you know having forced to go through every single part of of the book and yes and retell it yes
0: that's so good that's so helpful and i like to remind families so if you go to a great restaurant what's the what's the first thing you do tomorrow morning
1: yeah you tell other people about you've got to go to this restaurant that's right yeah
0: so when a child's engaged and excited about books you can't stop them from talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. those books sometimes you're like have mercy
1: it's so true (laughs) (laughs) I'll see one of my children coming in particular who's quite a talker and I think oh boy (laughs) and she probably will tell me every Every detail detail. of the entire book yeah (laughs)
0: <laughs> but that's what happens when a child is excited about books. Right, right. But when we're forcing this kind of artificial, I'm going to read to you and you better pay attention because mm-hmm. when I'm done, mm-hmm. you better be able to tell me everything. what immediately, like, You know, like we always say, reading is a privilege. It's Mm -hmm. a joy. Mm -hmm. It's a reward. Mm -hmm. And now it becomes everything's a test.
1: Yes, and I think it's forcing something to happen early. That's going to over time develop in your children.
0: Good point. Because
1: I was a homeschool graduate, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I saw firsthand. I've got friends who are. PhDs and doctors and professors and, you know, these people never had to do narrations and yet somehow (laughs) (laughs) they became really smart Mm -hmm. and went to great colleges Mm -hmm. and are super successful. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not, it's not that the idea of what happens in narration Mm -hmm. where you really um, digest what Mm -hmm. you're reading, it becomes your own. It's not that that's not what we're going for, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't have to be forced. It's like, it's like um, giving that, You know, reading comprehension test. Mm -hmm. It's it's to me that's Mm -hmm. more or less what it is, Mm -hmm. and it's completely obsolete and unnecessary. It is, especially for a homeschool family. That's right. You're not trying to make sure that you know all thirty of your students have read.
0: That's right. You
1: know they've read it. You've seen them (laughs) sitting on the couch, you know, for hours with their nose in this book. So exactly.
0: Oh, Christina, this is so helpful. I can't believe it. I just knew that your story would. Set the captives free because you're not alone. Yeah. And we all um talk about believing your your the still small voice between you and the Lord versus the voices of wonderful people mm-hmm. who you respect mm-hmm. and admire mm-hmm. but what's the difference and, and how yeah. to build that confidence? Yeah.
1: I the what popped in my mind when you asked that is the idea of maybe you go to a shoe store and you find the cutest <laughs> pair of shoes and I've done this before especially when I was younger yeah. um you know and you buy them anyway even though they're kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> but they look really good mm-hmm. but every time you wear them oh they are uncomfortable and so you you end up not wearing them mm-hmm. they end up sitting in the closet or you know, you get blisters or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like that. There's just this agitation, this, it doesn't fit right. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's looking right in the sense of you're looking like your peers or whatever. You're trying to force this, you know, you're trying to force the round peg in the square hole, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it's just kind of a gut when you're a believer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is that still small voice it's not like a blaring alarm going off um but yeah so i like
0: to use the analogy of wearing saul's armor mm. when king david was um you know going after the giant saul gave him his armor to wear but king david was saul was a yeah. huge man and yeah. king david was a youth And so often we put on Saul's armor and we're clinking around and feel like we can't even walk two steps. Mm -hmm. And finally, David ripped it off and just took his sling and his stones.
1: That's the perfect example. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yes. Being who we are and not being, as as God said to Jeremiah, not being afraid of their faces. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always someone in our life that's more confident, more authoritative, Mm -hmm. more like, just trust me and do this. And- it's mm-hmm. like, no, mm-hmm. I don't trust you, and I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. because I have to walk my own walk with mm-hmm. my children.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. It can save families so much trouble. And, of course, as I've told you, I spend my days consulting with families who've done exactly what you've done mm-hmm. and worn all the and, – and Dorothy Moore used to talk about the the fallacy of the idea of, I'm going to the store, and I'm going to buy – um, nine-year-old shoes for my son, and like, <laughs> right? Who would do that, right? Because yes. we know that every little nine-year-old boy's mm-hmm. feet are different than their other sure. friends' feet, but yet yeah, we do that academically mm. with our children, yeah, right,
1: right. Because even within your own home, you're going right. to do something yeah. different, with you know. Each I, child. I'm on my third kid teaching to read, and it's a completely different experience. Right. It's been different with every single one. Right. <laughs> so that's exactly right yeah
0: this has been so great any last thought that you want to if you were you know speaking to a new homeschool family just walking into this Mm -hmm. world Mm -hmm.
1: what would you say to them I think I would say to just trust God that if he has called you to homeschool he will equip you Mm -hmm. he will equip you not your next door neighbor Mm -hmm you know, not the group at your church or whoever. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, we all are going to need community and he will provide that community, but he will equip you. Mm -hmm. So to listen and to be patient and to wait on him and to just step out in faith and have confidence Mm -hmm. in what you feel like God's calling your family to. Mm -hmm. And again, be, you know, be humble and recognize that homeschooling is going to feel imperfectly perfect. Mm. Um, it's just because it's changing and it's messy, but that's part of the beauty of it. Mm. Um, it's it's organic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if you're able to let go of that perfectionism, maybe that some of us have, mm. um, you can really enjoy the mess and the beauty mm. in the mess. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: that's so good. That is so good. Would you mind praying for these? Absolutely. I
1: would love to. Lord, I thank you that when you look on us, you see us as sheep that are um, helpless and harassed and you see how hard it is for us um, and you are full of compassion that you aren't waiting for us to get it right. You're not tapping your foot. You're not rolling your eyes. Mm -hmm. Your arms are wide open. And you just want us to come to you and to find rest. And so, Lord, I pray that you would minister to each um, mother, father, family that's listening and that they would come to you with their weariness, with their burdens, and that they would find rest, Mm -hmm. that they would find that your yoke, what you're calling their family to— is light and easy, not that it's not going to take work, but that it there's a place of peace mm. and rest and joy. So Lord, I pray that um, you would uh, deliver us from being um, stolen from and from being beat up by the enemy, by ourselves, and that we would really enjoy the, the wonderful gift that homeschooling our children is. And we thank you, Lord, for this gift and for the freedom that we have in this country. And um, yeah, for your great love and your guidance. Mm. In Jesus name. Mm.
0: Amen. Amen. Woo. This is ministered to me and I know it's going to minister to our listeners. So thank you, Christina.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: And thank you, listeners, for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you enjoy my podcast, would you send an episode to a friend? I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about my ministry, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.